For this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time that the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them, until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left to their own country by another way.
Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them to be. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and with the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived.
eternally existent in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is just as much God, holy God, as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He's God of God. The next line says, light of light eternal. Well, where does this come from? We'll find out we need to look to the Gospel of John. We've already read the account of the birth of Christ from both the Gospel of Matthew and then from the Gospel of Luke this evening. John opens his Gospel in a little bit different way than the, the other Gospel writers. And, and right from the get-go, he's establishing the deity of Christ, the reality that Jesus really is who he said he was. He is not only the Son of God, but he is the very God himself. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is referring to Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was light, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not it goes on in verse 8 to say, The true light is light to everyone who's coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. So Jesus, as the second member of the Trinity, was the actual agent of creation. It was Jesus that created all that we see, all around us. And he existed from the beginning, just like the Father. He's eternal. And Jesus is the source of light and light for all men. So he's God of God, he's light of light, he's eternal. But this, this next phrase really threw me for a loop. It says, Lo, he is not the virgins womb. What's going on here? What's this all about? Well, to abhor means to, to loathe, to disdain. It's, uh, um, it's an expression of just extreme hate. And what the authors were trying to convey here is the fact that even though Jesus was fully God, and that he exists eternally, and he's the source of all life, he's the creator of all things. Even though all those things are true, that Jesus is fully God, he didn't balk at the notion of taking on flesh and becoming human beings, just like all of us. And the Bible explains this really well in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, where it says, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That means he didn't hang on to it. The fact that he was equal to God the Father, he didn't hang on to that, that reality. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This speaks of the humility of Christ and his willingness to humble himself and to become one of us. The last phrase is this verse says, very God, begotten, not created. And people really get hung up on this one. Because they, they think that that word begotten means that, that Jesus was created. You know, perhaps some of us, you know, think back to Sunday school when we were kids and we maybe, you know, read some of those Old Testament passages in, in the King James Version where it would say that so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. It was a term to describe that, uh, you know, a father fathered somebody else. Um, they apply it to, to that verse, and we all know so well, John 3, 16, which says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And so they think, well, that must mean that, that Jesus was, was 
born in some way that he was created by God the Father. That's not true. The Greek term for begotten that's translated really pertains to something being the only one of its kind or its class, something that's unique. And so this term begotten is not trying to say that Jesus was created in a way, but it's, it's really highlighting the fact that Jesus is uniquely God's Son, and more importantly, he shares the exact same divine nature as God the Father. So what is this obscure second verse from this ancient Christmas carol all about? Well, we can see that the author went to great lengths to establish the deity of Christ. But the real crux of the matter is that strange line that says, Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. Because it tells us of the real wonder of Christmas. That God was willing to lay aside the display of his glory in a moment in time, to take to himself human flesh, and become one of us. Hence, we, we hear that name, Daniel, means God with us. That's what he did. God came to earth as a baby to be born and became one of us. Why? Why did he do that? Why did God become one of us? Well, we started to read it in Philippians chapter 2. We read that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. But it goes on to say, he found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, Jesus came to this earth ultimately to die. And have you ever wondered, you know, what, what's all the fuss about Jesus dying on the cross? What did that accomplish? Why did he have to die on the cross? Well, you see, since the beginning, we've had a problem. We've been separated from God because each one of us has rebelled against him. And because God is a just God, we've all been sentenced to be eternally separated from him and bear our guilt forever in a place called hell. God also loves us, and he desires us to be reconciled to him. In order for God's justice to be satisfied, and for him to also extend his love toward us, he came to earth himself in the form of his son, and took upon himself the full wrath of God that was due us when he died on the cross. This past Sunday, in our worship service, we looked at the passage in 1 Thessalonians, and we learned that God saves us from his coming wrath. We learned that God is basically saving us from himself. And he did that by entering into the fray, becoming one of us, all the while never ceasing to be God. And God died a cruel death on the cross, absorbing in himself all the righteous wrath of God that was due to us. That's the wonder of Christmas. God is willing to become one of us in order to save us. That's why we're coming before him this evening. Lord Jesus, we do adore you this evening. We, we love you because you first loved us. We, uh, we marvel that you, Jesus, being eternally existent as God alongside God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, that you were willing to humble yourself, take upon yourself human flesh, to become one of us, to live a perfect life, to die as a perfect sacrifice, bearing all of our guilt and shame on yourself. You rose again, and you're alive even today. You worship and serve a living, living Savior. So I pray this evening that you would 
bless our time together. So thankful we can not only celebrate this time of year with friends and family, but that we can celebrate what the true wonder of Christmas truly is. The Jew, Lord Jesus, came to save us. We ask all these things in your precious name. Vince is going to come and lead us together. I think actually before we sing our last carol, we're going to do our normal like service now. So I guess I can ask you if you all stand up. We're going to try to circle up around the outside of the barn. Do you have a candle? Is everybody who does not have a candle? Do you ever get one on the way in? I think what we're going to do is uh, a couple of guys are going to get a couple of the candles lit around the room. We'll uh, kind of spread out like a few of the candles. Then, uh, once the people are going to let you guys in, like, all kinds of want to turn around. Get the rest of the money.